Let it be. There, as a matter of fact, in Genesis, you could go back in Genesis 1 verse 2, it says that the world was in chaos, right? And it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over, over, the, over the world, over the, the water there. What was He doing? And, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute, but, but the Holy Spirit was just waiting for God's command. And He brought, he brought order out of chaos. That's, an, that's a pretty incredible thing. If you go down to um, verse 6 here in Hebrews 11, it says this, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. You see, if we're going to receive from God, we have to believe that He is the Creator. We have to believe that He... And listen, for us today, you know what? If, if you've got a need here today that you say, man, natural means can't meet this need. You know, I've got a, a sickness or I've got a situation. I've got this, this problem in my family. I've got this, I've got this. Guess what? You have to believe that God can create something out of nothing. You have to believe that God can take chaos and turn it into order. You have to believe that God is. Well, what is He? He is, he is whatever you need Him to be this morning. Amen. You have to believe that He is and that He's the rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So your beginning of faith, listen, your beginning of faith really starts with who God is. And from the very beginning, from the first time we see Him, from the first introduction that we see of God, He is the mighty, supreme Creator. He creates something out of nothing. He created the heavens and the earth. He, 35 times, He tells us, this is what God said. He said it, and it was good. He said it, and He saw it. He said it, and He saw it. And time and time again, He said it, He said it, He said it. And, you know, and, and also, really, to be honest with you, Genesis 1-1 is one of those... Uh, turn back over to Genesis and let me show you this. I should have talked about this when was over there, but that's alright. Genesis is easy to find. If you have trouble finding Genesis, you're in trouble. Just turn to the first of the book, right? <clears throat> Genesis, Genesis 1, he says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. You know, so God spoke to the chaos, God spoke to light, and light showed up. You know, so He is the Creator. He is, he is the one that created all of this. Here's, here's something that you have to understand, and, and here's sometimes where we get mixed up on faith is sometimes we limit our faith because of what we can see. What we see in the natural, we look at our bank account and we look at the bill and we're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. Instead of, instead of looking to God saying, God, I'm not looking at what in the natural, I'm looking to You. Because You're the Creator. You're the one that can meet any need. You can make something out of nothing. Right? So we limit ourselves... Here's, here's a key that you, can, that you can take with you, a nugget, is that God doesn't need what you can see to do what He wants to do. God doesn't need what you can see. See, because sometimes we can't see everything we need to see. Sometimes what, what we need to see is beyond what we have. Right? And so, so we think sometimes... And I've, I know I've done this. Sometimes we look and we're like, God, I don't know how. There's no way that you can, that you can do what you need to do with what I have. And, and I, I can almost, it's almost like you can hear God yelling back at us, I don't need what you have. 
I can, I can create it myself. Right? I mean, because He is the Creator. He uses what we have, yes. But what I'm saying is that, that don't limit God by only what you can see. Because He can take... Listen, listen, He did it with Moses, right? Moses, what's in your hand? A rod. Throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground. It became a snake. Well, man, Moses had no idea that thing could become a snake, right? And, and God was teaching them something through that. Moses, take your hand and stick it in your coat. Stuck it in the coat. Pull it back out. Pull it back out. It's full of leprosy. Man, that, you know, what was that? And then put it back in, you know, and the leprosy went away. Well, what God was saying was this, Moses, it's not all about what you can see. It's about your trust in me. So that's, that's an important thing that we have to realize is that, that we don't, you know, God is not limited by what you have. So if you have a need that's bigger than what you have, thank God that He introduced Himself to you as Elohim, the Supreme Creator, the Mighty Creator. Amen. Now, actually, Genesis 1-1 is one of those verses that is a great mystery to people. Now, think about this. Now, we have the whole book and we understand this because we understand the Trinity. But one thing about the word Elohim that is interesting is this. Elohim is a plural word. Meaning that when he said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that word Elohim is plural. And for us, that's easy for us to understand because we understand the Trinity, right? We understand that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are three in one. Now, we may not fully understand the Trinity and, and grasp, grasp that that concept, but we understand it enough to understand that all three, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are one, but yet God is singular. But yet all three are in Him. Right? You skip down to verse 26 and you see this. Now, you can imagine before, and especially even before the Holy Spirit was poured out, even some of the people in the Old Covenant, how, how you know, some of these Scriptures, as they would read these, you know, before you get the full revelation of it, you know, sometimes you'd be like, you know, man, what's he talking about? Because in verse 26, he says this. This is when he was making man. It says, then God, remember, that's the word Elohim. Then Elohim said, let us make man. So here, he, he changed from, from just saying, I'm doing it by myself, to he said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, let, him, let, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man. Now notice this in verse 27. So God created man in His own image. Verse 26, He said, let us make man. Verse 27, it says God made man in His image. That is the mystery of, of creation. How the word Elohim, how it can be both plural and singular. But, but don't let that trip you up. I'm, I'm just showing you that. But here's the, the mystery of that. Here's the, here's the revelation of that. Is that he's talking about the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We read verse 2, Genesis 1-2, where it said that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Right? So we see that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. God was involved in creation. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation. Well, guess who else was involved in creation? Jesus was involved in creation. Well, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, let's turn to, to Colossians chapter 1. And boy, this is incredible. Colossians chapter 1. And verse, we'll just start in verse 15. Now, I want to 
bear with me because I want to read this from a couple different translations here. But, but uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is such an incredible passage because this tells us, like we said, like, like I said, I want to show you, I want to show you how Jesus connects, you know, to these names. And this, this shows us how Jesus was in creation. He was in God. He was part of creation. And how, how even in the new covenant, it still shows us how God operates, how Jesus operates as Elohim, the creator. Listen to this out of, uh, Genesis, I mean, uh, Colossians 1.15. The King James, the New King James says this, He is the image of the invisible God. Talking about Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For Now listen to this. For by Him, by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones and dominions or principalities and powers. All things were created through Him, and for Him. So, in, in Genesis, it says God created all of this. Here in Colossians, in the New Testament, looking back on it, Paul tells us that, that everything was created by Jesus and for Jesus. One way you could... I've heard people say it like this. God is the architect, Jesus is the builder, and the Holy Spirit was there to breathe life into everything that Jesus did. They All three of them worked together, hand in hand. He goes on to say this, And He, talking about Jesus, is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him, in Jesus, all of the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Now, man, that's a mouthful. But let me read this. Let me read this from a couple different translations here. The Message translation says this. I believe, Paul, we have the Message in the Passion, and I'm going to read it from the Mirror too. I don't think we have the Mirror up there, but the Message says this. We look at this Son talking about Jesus, and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any came into existence and He holds it all together right up to this very moment. And when it comes to the church... He organizes and holds it together like the head does a body. He was the supreme in the beginning and leading, and he was the supreme in the beginning and, I love this, leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. Hallelujah. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So, now listen to this verse 19. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in Him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and, and atoms, gets, gets properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of His death, 
His blood that poured out down from the cross. Hallelujah. That's who Jesus is. He is the perfect picture of God, and yet, yet everything that God has is in Him. And He's so roomy that everything that God has is in Him and it's not even crowded. And the awesome thing about that is this, is that you and I are in Him. So it don't get, it don't get crowded. There's social distancing in Jesus. Amen. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, we're not in there like this saying, I can't move. No, we have all the room we need to do everything that He's called us to do. In Christ, there's room for every one of us. Amen. The Passion, real quick, let me read this. The Passion says this, He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, and the firstborn heir of all creation. For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on earth, all that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it was all created through Him and for His purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in Him. He is the head of the body, which is the church. And since He is the beginning and firstborn heir in resurrection, He is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. Man, that's good. For God is satisfied to have all His fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of His cross... Everything in heaven and earth is brought back to Himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Hallelujah. I don't know if you get that or not. You may have, you may have to go home and, and read that from these translations to get what He's saying. But listen, everything that, everything that God has, Elohim, the Creator, He says that, that it was Jesus was in Him in the beginning, and God's plan from the very beginning was to put everything of Him inside Jesus because He knew that you and I were going to be put in Him. And therefore, when we got put in Him, we were made complete, lacking nothing. We have everything we need in Christ, the Creator, Elohim. Now listen, this is from the Mirror Translation. The Mirror says this, In Him, the image and likeness of God is made visible in human life, in order that everyone may recognize their true origin in Him. He is the firstborn of every creature. Everything that is begins in Him, whether in the heavenly realm or upon the earth, visible or invisible. Every order of justice and every level of authority, be it kingdoms or governments, principalities or jurisdictions, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is the initiator of all things. Therefore, everything finds its relevance and its true pattern only in Him. If you're not looking through the eyes of Jesus, you'll never find the original pattern of God. The original intent. You have to, you have to see things through His eyes. And, and as we're looking at the name Elohim, you have to understand that Jesus was the creator of everything. Well, I thought you said God was. He is. Well, I thought you said Jesus was. He is. They're three in one. The Holy Spirit is too. Amen. All three were in the beginning. All three. The, the Elohim is plural, meaning that it was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit doing the creating. 
And it is still the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with the power and the, 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 the supreme power to create on the inside of every one of us. Amen. The ecclesia or the church is the visible expression of Jesus, uh, of which Jesus is the head. He is the principal rank of authority who leads the triumphant possession of our new birth out of the region of the dead. His preeminent rank is beyond threat. I love that. Where Jesus sits is beyond threat. In other words, we don't have to worry about the devil taking over Jesus' throne. It's beyond threat. Why? Because Jesus is the creator of all this. He's got, he's got, it, he's got it taken care of. Amen. Verse 19. The full measure of everything God has in mind for man indwells Him, indwells Jesus. Um, he initiated the reconciliation of all things to Himself. Through the blood of the cross, God restored the original harmony. His reign of peace now extends to every visible thing upon the earth as well as those invisible things which are, in the, which are now in the heavenly realm. So, so what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. Jesus, who lives on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, He was there in the beginning. Everything He created was created by Him and for Him. Everything, everything that God has was put in Christ, and now you and I are put in Christ. So everything that we will ever need has, been, has already been taken care of because He put us in Christ from the very creation. Come on, that is incredible. You'll never have a need that Jesus has not already created the, the answer for. He's already, I mean, He's already done it. Amen. So now, listen, listen to a couple, else, a couple other things here. So Elohim, is, is, He is the strong and mighty Creator. That name is plural, meaning that it, it includes Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But now, listen to these other ones here. Elohim is also a covenant maker. He is a covenant maker. Look at Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah 32, verse 38. Jeremiah 32, 38. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. And that word God is Elohim. And he says, Then I will give them one heart and one way, that they may that they may fear me forever for for the good of them and their children after them. So listen, that's an incredible verse because not only is he for you, he's for your kids too, and your kids' kids, generations. Come on, God's goodness not only just extend to you, but they extend to my kids and my kids' kids. Amen. Amen. And then verse forty, he says this. Listen to this. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. He is a, he is a covenant maker. Now, you said, Pastor, why is that important? Because all throughout the Old Testament, now there's all kinds of covenants we can look at. I'm just real quickly, I want to, I want to look at two different covenants. Just, and I'm just going to blow through these so you can, you can write this down and study them out. But think about the covenant of Noah. That God, the covenant that God made with Noah. You know, Noah, if, if Noah was, uh, you know, he was, he was right, he was actually Methuselah's grandson. Okay? You remember last week we put the names up, the first, the first ten names of the Bible, and it told us 
the story of redemption and how that Methuselah meant, you know, when his death would bring the end. And so, so when, when Methuselah died, everybody knew that the end was coming, that the flood was coming. Well, God spoke to Noah and told Noah to build the ark. Noah was Methuselah's grandson. Okay? So, so it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. And could you imagine? The Bible says for 120 years, the neighbors mocked him, made fun of him. Because Noah was preaching this, this message that God is going to send the rain. It had never rained. They didn't know what rain was. And for 120 years, they mocked Noah, saying, you're just an old crazy fool. You don't know nothing. You know, you're just, you're just, you know, you're just insane. You're crazy. But boy, I tell you, when that first raindrop hit them on the head, I guarantee you there was a line of people running toward Noah's place. But guess what? The door had already been shut. And, and everybody perished, right? The Bible says the whole earth perished except for, except for Noah and his family. So, so Noah, Noah and his family are on the ark. They're, they're there and then they, they land and the, 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 the waters dry up and they come out. And what was it that God, what was it that God gave him? The, the sign of the covenant that God gave him. It was the rainbow. God gave him the rainbow and he said, Noah, I will never again destroy the earth with a flood. Well, guess what? Every time, or not every time, but a lot of times after it rains, what do we still see today? We still see a beautiful rainbow. What is that saying? That's showing us that God is still a covenant-keeping God. That just the covenant He gave to, to Noah, talking about the rainbow, every time you see the rainbow, you, you are reminded that God will never destroy the earth again with a flood. And see, so, so He is Elohim. He is the Creator. He is the, he is the covenant Creator. And for us, that's encouraging because when we need, when we need a, a sure word, when we need to make sure of who God is to us, we can go back and read the covenant that He made with us. And we can understand who He, who He wants to be. And what He wants to be for us. So, and you could, you could talk a whole lot more about Noah, but, but let's look at Abram. Abram, you know, Abraham before, Abram before he was Abraham. But you think of Abraham, right? God, God showed up and, and had covenant with Abraham. And, and Abraham went through the process and, and we, for the sake of time, we won't look, look at all that, but, but he went through that whole process of walking that covenant out. But you know, even in these guys, Noah and Abraham and Moses and, and all these guys, they weren't perfect. And I'm glad that God didn't choose perfect people because you and I aren't perfect either. Think about, think about Abraham. God, God showed up to him one day and said, Abraham, leave your family and go to a place that, that I'll show you. Well, he was halfway obedient, right? He left where he was, but he took his nephew and his dad with him. And the Bible says that, that his dad was older. Terah was his name. His dad was older and and that that they they had to stop in the city of Haran which means dry and parched land a dry and parched land so for 2 years Abraham had to stay in Haran because he brought his dad with him when God told him to leave his family and so it cost Abraham 2 years without hearing from God because he he wouldn't give he wouldn't cut the ties when God told him to and then of course after his dad died 
we know the story. They go on and him and him and Lot continue to be blessed, continue to to multiply, and then their their herds get so big they can, they can no longer they can no longer uh, mesh together, and their their ship the 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 sheep keepers are are fighting each other and all this, and and finally Moses or Abraham just tells him he's like, look. Abram is still Abram at the time. Abram tells him, says, Lot, we've got to separate. We've got to have peace. He said, you choose which way to go. Now, a lot of people say, oh, that just shows you how nice Abraham was. and all. No, really, what Abraham understood was this. He had a covenant with Elohim. God had spoke to him and told him, I will bless you if you'll obey me. So he knew that whichever way Lot went, that he was going to be blessed anyway. So he let Lot choose, Lot chose the, the water and the, the plush land, and, and Abraham went up to the mountain, the mountainous region. Well, we know the end of that story, that, you know, how Abraham was just blessed. God told him, said, everywhere you look, that's, that's what you were blessed with. Everywhere the feet of your, your, the, the soldier of your feet trod, that's your land. And don't you know, Abraham took a lot of walks. And he, he scouted that land out. Well, and time and time again, what happened? When the enemy would come and try and steal that, Abraham was like, no, i got a covenant. I don't, I'm not, I, that doesn't bother me. I have a covenant with my God, with Elohim. And, you know, so, so time and time again, we see that covenant play out in Abraham's life to where now when we read about Abraham, who is Abraham? He is the father of faith. I mean, Abraham understood covenant. And Elohim, Elohim is the covenant-making God. And He is still that for us today. Also, not only that, but Elohim is the source of power and might. We, we sung this song, we sung that song this morning, and, and these words probably, I mean, it probably came from this passage here in Isaiah 43. Look at Isaiah 43, where it says, we, you'll walk through the, Walk through the fire and not be burned. Walk through the waters and won't drown. This is this comes. This was what God spoke to His people. In Isaiah forty three, it says this. Isaiah forty three verses one through three. It says, "But now, thus says the Lord, who created there that Creator is again, who created you, O Jacob, and He formed you, O Israel. And this is what He said: Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine." When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God. He says, I am the Jehovah. That word Lord is Jehovah. We're going to look at that next week. But he says, I am Jehovah your Elohim. I am Jehovah, your Elohim, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave, I gave for your ransom Ethiopia and Sebia for your peace. But what I want you to see was this. God says, He says, listen, I am Elohim. You, I, can, I can allow you to walk through things and you not even be hurt. You can walk through the waters and not drown. You can walk through the fire and not be burned. Why? Because I am Jehovah Elohim. I am the Creator. I am the strong and mighty one. I am, I am everything you need Him to be. Listen, Elohim. That word Elohim in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament is, is recorded 2,570 times. It's the second most used name for God. The first one being Jehovah, Yahweh. 
But but Elohim is the second most most used name. Why? Because He is the Creator of everything. And whatever you need in your life, and you say, well, what good is Elohim to be? You know, I'm, I'm glad He created everything, and He did this, and He did that, but what, what good is it to me? The question, the question that I ask you is, do you know Him that way? Do you know Him as Elohim? Do you know Him as the Creator? Do you know Him as the All-Powerful One? And to answer that question, we have to look and we have to ask ourselves, you know, when I get in a situation... Where do I look first? Because, you know, like, um, let me think of a good example. Um, say you're a builder. I'll just say you're a builder. And, uh, and, and you're, you're going to build a, you're going to build a wall. You know, and you got the two befores and you got the nails, or, or I guess most, most everybody uses screws now. You know, and, and you pick up a screw, and the first thing you, the first thing you think of, you don't think of picking up a wrench to put that screw in the wood. You think, no, I've got a tool for that, right? I've got a screwdriver. I've got a drill. And you grab your drill and you put that screw on it and you screw that board together and you build that wall. When you use the right tools, it doesn't take a long time to build it. But how many of you know that if you took a, if you took a screw, if I gave you a box of screws and I gave you a crescent wrench and said, here, go build that wall, it might take you a little while. Because if you don't have the right tools, if you, if you don't have the right things in your hand, you might struggle to get a wall built. Well, it's no different in your life and my life. When we have a need, if we don't look to God first, then a lot of times we struggle to get that need met because we're trying to put a screw in with a wrench instead of a drill. Does that make sense? When you have the right tools, man, you grab it and you just zip it in there and, and it's no problem at all. But listen, do I know God as the Creator? Do I know God as the, the all-powerful one? Do I know Him as the covenant maker? Do, is the first thing that pops in my mind when a problem arises is, God, how, how are we going to handle this? You see, if, if I think any other thought other than, God, how, how are we going to take care of this? If I have any other thought other than that, then I don't truly know Him as Elohim. Amen. And you see, you remember we read in, in Psalm 91 earlier uh, in the service, and it said that in Psalm 91 there, at the, in verse 15, I think it is, He says, you know, he says, he says that He will protect us because we know and understand His name. Well, when you know Him as Elohim, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden it takes you to a totally different level because now there's nothing that you will ever face because that, nothing you'll ever face that you will worry about or, or that you'll look at and say, well, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Why? Because I know the Creator. I know the One that creates something out of nothing. Nobody else can do that. But He is my God. He is my Elohim. And we have to, and, and you know, and even, even the covenant, you know, when, when I, if I look at things and I say, well, you know, God, I, or, you know, we look at a situation and we're like, well, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to get this bill paid. I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to take care of this thing over here. Or I don't know how, you know, this sickness has really got a hold of me and, and I'm, I'm not sure whether, whether I'll, I'll survive this or not. You see, if you know Him as the covenant maker, then you understand you have a covenant of healing. Now, we're going to look at the, those names 
Because see, all of these covenant names of God reveal another care, another aspect. We're gonna we're gonna see the compound names. How like when they start putting things together, you, like like for example, even in this passage, he put he put Jehovah and Elohim together. And when you start putting those together, you start realizing that, you know what, Elohim, the Creator, the, the all-powerful one, He can go with a lot of different names. He can go with a lot of different attributes. Last week we talked about the picture. Remember, the, I said that, that every one of these names is like a picture, and, and inside that picture is the promises of God. And you have to, you have to look on the inside of that picture, and you have to pull those things out of it. Well, guess what? With, with Elohim, the, one of the most common names for God used in the Old Testament. He is the Creator. He is the, the Covenant Maker. He is the All-Powerful One. If, if we had no other name than Elohim, it would be enough for us to make it. That's how powerful this name is. But thank God that He gives us... I don't, know, I don't even know how many names there is of God. But probably close to a hundred different names in the Old Testament... Of, of, of names that he introduced that, that he's called by, by in the Old Testament. I know there's 70 some. There may even be more than that. But, but it's an amazing thing to see how many times that God, how Elohim is connected with another name. And how you put them together and it will meet whatever needs you're facing today. Listen, the name Elohim will meet that need by itself. But what God wants to do, God is always, He is the God that's more than enough. And He doesn't just want to meet a need. He wants to over and above meet that need. Amen? So, but for this morning, as we, as we finish up this morning, Elohim, the Creator, the Supreme, the Supreme and Mighty Creator, the Covenant Maker, do you know Him that way? Do you know, are you, are you fully persuaded that whatever you come up against, that God, if, if there is no way, that God will create a way? You know, do you know that He is the all-powerful one that can, that can help you walk through a flood and not drown? Walk through a fire and not get burned? Do you know Him that way? And if you don't, then, then my suggestion is you get in the Word and you, you search the Word and you see what the Word says about Him. You, you get a good concordance and you get a good Bible program or something on your computer and you study that out and you run references. And, and really, probably I should say this, most importantly, you pray and talk to Him about it. You, you, you get the Holy Spirit involved in your life. You, you ask for, for, for clarity. You ask for direction. You ask that He open your eyes up so that you, so that you can know Him as Elohim. Not just, not just God. Because you see, here's, here's an interesting thing that I didn't bring out. But that name Elohim, because it was plural, a lot of times... And even sometimes in the Bible it's translated this way. Elohim can be also used for the gods of the, the gods of the Canaanites. Or, you know, when, when, when it, when it talked about the, uh, when it talked about like the gods plural of, of a nation, because, because back in that day they worshiped all kinds of gods. They had all kinds of idols. So that name Elohim sometimes was even put as a tag for that. But here's the difference in it. When we talk about our God, when we talk about our Heavenly Father as Elohim, He is the Supreme God. There is no one like Him. He's not just, he's not just in the midst of a bunch of other gods. He is the Supreme God. And that's why a lot of times you'll see Jehovah Elohim. 
like in Genesis 2, 4, and from, uh, you know, like I said, in Genesis 1, from Genesis 1 to Genesis 2, he's mentioned 35 times as just Elohim. In Genesis 2, verse 4, from that point forward, you start seeing Jehovah Elohim. So, and, and next week we'll look at Jehovah and we'll probably touch, touch that a little bit. But I just want to encourage you and, and just, just to tell you this. Just know this, that God is the God, our God, your God and my God, Elohim. He is the one that can meet any need you have. He is the Creator. He is the Covenant Maker. He is the All-Powerful One. That's who Elohim is. And as we study this, man, I encourage you to, to dig deeper, find, you know, dig, go, look at the scriptures that we gave you, look up other scriptures, because I promise you there's a whole lot more out there that, that, like I said, that name Elohim shows up 2,500 or 2,570 times in the Old, in the Old Testament. So you, that would, that would be a study for a long time if you looked up every name, right? 35 times in Genesis 1 alone that he, he introduces himself as Elohim, the Creator. Amen. So, so we can take that and use that and, and allow, allow Him to be the Creator for us. Allow Him to be the covenant maker. Allow Him to be the all-powerful one for us. Amen? And what a, what a God He is. He, he is a big God. Amen? And he is, all, he is everything we need Him to be. Whatever we need Him to be, that's who He is. Amen? Well, let's bow our heads just for a moment. <clears throat> if you're here today, and the most important thing that you can do, and if you're watching us there on Facebook or, or listening to a CD or have you're listening to this, the most important thing is that you know Him. That, that you don't just know about Him, but that you know Him. If you don't know Him as your Savior, then that's the first and most important part. Because once you know Him as your Savior, your Lord, once you make Him the Lord of your life, then, then you'll, you'll be spending eternity with Him. You'll have an eternity to get to know Him. But the most important thing is that you know Him. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you. Uh, today is the best day that, that, I can, that, that there would ever be for you to know Him as your Savior. For you, for you to know Him as your best friend. There, if you're watching by Facebook, I encourage you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's as simple as the Bible says when we believe in our heart that Jesus died, that He came and He lived and He died, and that He rose again. If we believe that in our heart and we confess it with our mouth, the Scripture says then, then we'll be born again. We'll, be, we'll have that relationship with Him. So I encourage you, uh, if, if you, if you've never made Him the Lord of your life, just have a conversation with Him. Ask Him to come into your life. Ask Him to be your Lord, your Savior. Uh, confess that you believe Him and that, that you want Him to be a part of your life. And as you do that, your spirit will be remade. Your spirit will be born again. Amen. A brand new creation on the inside. And you'll, ha- and you'll have a fresh start that will take you places that you never even dreamed that you could go. Amen. Let me pray for you and then we'll go. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the revelation of Elohim. Thank you for the re- revelation of the Creator. The, the all-powerful one, the covenant maker, that, that, Lord, you are still 
Father, You're the covenant keeper today. I thank You for the covenant that we have with You through the blood of Jesus. I thank You for that. And thank You, Father, that, that You are strong enough to, to, to always keep that covenant strong and, and we never have to worry about You breaking that covenant. So, Father, I thank You for that. We pray blessings on each one. Lord, for the ones that have needs in their lives, Lord, I pray that, that today that, we would, that every one of us would know You as Elohim. Every one of us would know You as the strong and powerful one, as the mighty one, as the Creator. So, Father, we bless You. We honor You. We thank You for all that You're doing, Father. And we give You all the glory and all the honor. Thank You for keeping us safe. Thank You for protecting us. Thank You, Father, that, that You are watching over us. No sickness or disease will come near our house or near any of, any of Destiny's people, Father, in Jesus' name. We, we just speak that and we, we believe the Word over that, Father, and we thank You for that. So we pray blessings on each one, Father. We love You and we honor You in Jesus' name. Amen.